to, before I introduce uh, Paul, who's going to take uh, us through an interview, a compelling life story, uh, next week we have a video pro- uh, presentation from Bill Hybels. Bill Hybels is uh, the pastor, founding pastor of one of the largest churches in North America in Chicago called Willow Creek. And uh, just an excellent presentation with regards to why. If you've ever wondered why there's so much suffering in, in the world, if you've ever wondered why all sorts of, he talks about a package of pain. If you've ever had a package of pain come to your life, then I want to encourage you to come and you've not been able to make sense of it, then I want to encourage you to come. If you know somebody who is asking questions like, why me? Why is this happening? I want to encourage you to come. And then it goes on from there. We've got a how. And then on the 24th, we've got a video presentation from Billy Graham, Dr. Billy Graham. Who, it's his last message that he'll ever preach. He's 95. And there's just a fantastic presentation that we've got on there. And then it just keeps getting better because... It goes from Bill Hybels to Billy Graham, and then we've got John Partington on the 7th of September, and uh, many of us know John, and uh, it will just be an absolutely fantastic summer as we approach the many questions that people are asking. I wonder if we just put our hands together. I'm just going to first of all introduce Paul. So let's just, Paul, come up to the stage, and let's give him a round of applause, shall we, as he takes us through this interview. Thank you. Thank you. Um, did you hear the story of the uh, guy who walks out onto the ice with a, an ice saw? And he, he, he saws a little hole, and he sits there with a fishing rod, and he starts fishing. And all of a sudden, he hears this voice saying, There is no fish under the ice. And he stops and looks round. He can't see anybody, so he keeps on fishing. And he hears this voice saying, There is no fish under the ice. So he drops his rod and says, Is that you, God? And the voice said, no, I'm the manager of the ice ring. There are no fish under the ice. Clear off. <laughs> now, sometimes we often say to ourselves, is that you, God? Is it you? And tonight we're going to look at some of the, the life's problems. We're going to ask some of the life's questions, some circumstances that many of us have faced or will face. And hopefully, when we ask these questions, hopefully we're going to get some find a few answers. And Paul, the apostle, wrote to a fledging church in Rome. I, don't, I can't remember how long the church had been going. I guess it had been about four years. might have been. And he wrote this to the church in Romans chapter 8. Yeah. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, peril or sword As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So if Paul the Apostle, who wrote, we are more than conquerors, then why is it sometimes we don't feel like that? If Paul, who went through so much in his story, whippings, beatings, imprisonment, shipwreck, if he wrote, we are more 
than conquerors through him that loved us. If he believed that, then how do we respond when we face times of trial and humiliation, pain and heartache? If we believe in the word of God, shouldn't we expect the word of God to help us and aid us in our times of trouble? Well, to help us to understand how God, through his son Jesus Christ, makes us more than conquerors, I have asked an ordinary person to share the ordinary story of faith. So in the uh, time-honoured uh, tradition of Mansfield Arena, would you please give a warm welcome to Mandy Foster. Make it look really easy getting on these really. things. Yeah. Right, I've just got one or two questions. Yeah, just okay. Well, it was when I was 11, I had a friend at school who introduced me to church. And from that day on, from the age of 11, I called myself a Christian and I tried to behave like a Christian. But it wasn't until eight years ago when I really gave my life to the Lord that I really understood who God was. So for many, many years I knew of God, but I didn't know who God, I didn't know God and it was a bit like, I'd describe it as like, it's like having a car on the drive, but then you're, you walk and bus everywhere. You know, you've, you've, you've got that, that gift there, but you walk past it and, and you go around the long way. So I did a lot of things in my own strength for a lot of years. So during your life, uh, obviously you must have experienced some difficulties. Can you explain a little of what you were going through? Um... Yeah, it's kind of like, where do I start, really? If I tell you things in chronological order, God has revealed a lot of things to me and um, he's brought a lot of healing from, from memories. But when my mum was pregnant with me, she wanted a boy. And there is a lot of research now that a lot of things that happen in the womb can have a big effect on you. So before I was even born, my expectation of myself was set beyond anything that I would ever reach because I knew I wasn't a boy. I knew I would never be able to give my mum what she wanted. So that put a lot of stress on me from a very early age. And a lot of the things that were done when when I was younger, like being left out in the pram to cry, being fed every four hours, whether you were hungry or not, that all had a real big impact on my tiny spirit. Um, that I started to isolate myself. And these aren't necessarily memories, but this is what God has revealed to me. And then there were some really, you know, my mum was a very angry woman. And it was at the time when, you know, she used to hit first and ask questions later. And you might have heard it being called a good hiding. Um, Well, it was often a good hiding with a slipper or a belt or a shoe um, so I, I received a lot of physical abuse because that's what it was from, from my mum, um, which made me withdraw even further. So how did that make you feel as a person? Um, I felt like a nothing, that I was worthless, um, 
she used to hit me over the knuckles with a ruler when I didn't get my spellings right. I now know that I'm dyslexic, so that made me feel um, that I was absolutely nothing. Um, my brothers were allowed to speak Sutton slang because I'm Sutton born and bred, but me and my sister were made to speak very correctly. And if we didn't, we'd get a clip round the ear. So I learnt that my words weren't worth speaking. So I became quieter and quieter. And I know we giggled at small group when I said I used to be very quiet. <laughs> uh, I, I was. And up until very recently, as much as, uh, so like a year ago, I still believed my words weren't worth being spoken or written down. And it was when I wrote the email about that forgiveness that was part of the healing that my words are worth speaking. So, yeah, just, just felt a nothing. So how, what sort of mechanism did you use to cope with these feelings of rejection and hurt? Um, I buried myself in work, so I became addicted to work. Um, and I always strive to be the best I can be. Um, and I used to work in a news agent, so I'd be up at five o'clock and I'd do the newspapers. And I'd go all day and I'd cash up at six o'clock. Then I'd nip across the road to the pub and I'd do a shift at the pub. And then at the weekends, I'd nip home and get changed and we'd go off to a nightclub. And then I'd have two hours sleep and I'd get up and do the papers again. So I just kept myself very busy. Um, and I self-harmed in the sense that I would binge eat for that comfort. Um, but even then, I wasn't good enough to make myself sick. <laughs> you know, believe me, it's like I couldn't do it. So I would starve myself for days, which obviously caused a lot of stress on physically on my body. But I was constantly punishing myself because I wasn't good enough. Um, so did you ever blame God or get angry at God <laughs> because of your circumstances? Um, yes, a lot. And I would often ask why. Um, there was some sort of like sexual abuse when I was younger as well, and that was often sort of like, why, why me? Um, but there was one particular incident when we was on holiday with friends, and it was just when the Jimmy Savile thing was happening. And this particular friend said that the victims should have left it in the past. They should not be bringing it up now, and I could feel these emotions stirring because when I eventually shared with my mum she didn't believe me which was really hard um, and I could feel this anger building up and I had to leave the room and I went upstairs and poor John Blessing was a bit like the rabbit in the headlights when all this how on earth can Jesus understand the shame that I have walked with all my life the pain I have walked with all my life and it was like how long was Jesus on that cross you know, he was on that cross for what, three, four hours, and I know he was shamed, and, but three hours, he carried that shame for three hours. I've carried it all my life. Well, there was the snot and the tears and the anger, and you've done the LL teaching, John. It's like, give me the answer. Um, and I was so embarrassed the next morning, I couldn't get up because my friends were staying in the cottage with us. So I went in the shower and I was just talking to God, like, head down, I'm really sorry. See, I'm just so bad. I'm just so bad. I'm so disrespectful to Jesus. And God said to me, just very gently, just look at my son. So I'm there in the shower and God showed me that when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, she was under fear of death from stoning. 
So he would have got that fear coming through the womb, if we're going back to sort of like the, the in the womb. So he would have understood that he was not as society wanted him to be. And when he was born and he was sort of like going to school and that kind of thing, that he would have known that, you know, the people would have ridiculed him for being born out of wedlock and, or conceived out of wedlock. And God just really showed me that, yes, Jesus understood my shame and my persecution and my ridicule. And Good. So what advice would you give anyone going through life's problems? Very much what Christian said is learn how Daddy God loves you. Learn how much he actually loves you and what you mean to him. And you are as precious to him as the Mona Lisa. And the Mona Lisa is in the Louvre. I've seen it in France. Beautiful. But that picture will not lose value if it's stored in an understairs toilet. And some of us feel that's where we are, in the understairs toilet. But God still sees you as that Mona Lisa. And allow that love to sink in. Because it's only when you allow God to love you as you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the bits that you don't want him to see, because we often present those good bits, that good side to God. He doesn't want that. He wants the bad side. He wants the hurting bits. And when you can allow his love to soak into that, it's that that gets you through. It's that that brings the healing. So what is God doing in your life now, currently? (laughs) It's been, um, these last six months, God has really been... um, working in my life is lifted off fear off my heart and and just recently I've been to Scotland and I realized that I didn't have the fear I was in a new place doing new situations and although I was nervous I didn't have that grounding fear that will they think I'm stupid will I say the wrong thing will I go to the wrong room there wasn't that fear there And while I was there, they asked me to give my testimony of of healing from the fibromyalgia. And God dropped something in my heart as I was giving my testimony that I don't trust my family. So I had a bit of a wobble the following day, but the team kind of got round and, and, and ushered me along. And I realized that I didn't trust church. I trust church, but I was always on the outside edge. And God's really brought that healing of, of trusting and getting in the middle rather than trusting and being on the outside. He's getting in there. And if I say the wrong thing, Christian said he'll still love me, but he'll pull me up by my bootstraps. That's fine. Um, but just recently is one thing that my mum used to say was she brought all four of us up exactly the same. And she was very proud of that fact. But I am not the same. I am not like my brothers and sisters. I am not like anybody here. And that's what God is really pouring into my heart, that I am me. I am Mandy Foster with a smile that nobody else has, with a sense of humor that nobody else has, with words that nobody else has. And it's, I'm grappling with that, but I'm getting there. I'm really getting there. Thank you, Mandy. I think she ought to have a round of applause because... Uh, that was brilliant. Thank you, Mandy. Uh, you know, we are more than conquerors through him who first loved us, through Jesus Christ. We can try to do it on our own, and very often we fail, and it makes us feel worse. 
But when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, that's when we become more than conquerors. Amen. Amen. Christian. Let's give them both a round of applause, shall we, again? Just as we just draw the thing to a the service to a close, I just want to read a verse. It's all right, I'm saying I need a Bible. Yeah, here we are. I want to make sure I've got it right. It's about in 1 Corinthians 1. And uh, I don't know whether we can, we can get it up on the screen. Just find it for me, Pete, while I just said 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27. Just while he finds that. Mandy, thank you so much sharing your story. You're, you're a very articulate woman. And you may have struggled with, with words and with spellings, but actually what was a weakness, God is turning into a strength. Just feel it very strongly. He's going to use you to articulate and guide people and point people to his precious son, Jesus. So I really appreciate it. I thought it was great. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1 and verse 26. And Mandy, you touched on it. And Paul, you touched on it at the very beginning when you said just an ordinary, and you wasn't being derogatory, just an ordinary story. Because often we're looking for people with the superstar story. And there's a few of you around here. You've got dramatic conversions of faith. And we love that. But actually there's an ordinariness as well that Jesus, you know, comes to comes to people in their ordinariness and it says here in in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27 well verse 26 brothers and sisters think of what you were when you were called not many of you were wise by human standards not many were influential not many were of noble birth let me just stop there how many of you have, have been born and raised in this area just raise your hands okay Put your hands down. How many, how many of you out of that group have, have did university? Put your hand up. One, two, three of you. So there was a whole mass of you, and yet only three of you have done university. Human standards would be, actually, you're bright, you're bright if you've been to university, and you could have that as a downer on you. We thank God for those who have been to university, but actually, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Out of those people who put their hands up, who's ever served as the uh, CEO of of, uh, of the council? Just raise your hand. Who's ever who's ever been the 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 mayor of Mansfield? Just raise. Who's ever been an MP? Ah. So not many by human standards are influential. Okay. How many of you've ever done that program? Who do you think you are? You've traced your family tree. Have anybody ever traced your family tree? Okay, Steve has. Steve, are you from nobility, royalty? You are. Really? Oh, what? I can't believe that. I wish I'd have never have said anything to you. Anybody else ever done any, any? Steve, just ignore that now. Anybody from nobility? Anybody from, I mean, my dad's sister did it, and there was just an ordinariness about our lives, eh, Dad? It was just... just ordinary. But this is what it says. So I think we're all into that category, but it says here, but God chose 
but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. Some of you have been like Mandy, you felt utterly despised. And the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. What a saviour we serve. God chose. He chose us. He looked around the room and he thought, that'll do. That'll do. That'll do. That'll do. He just... What a saviour we serve. And you're here tonight and you're thinking, is this for real? Well, you've just heard from an ordinary story. It is for real. God takes the nothingness of lives. And what he doesn't do, he doesn't just save us and then just leave us there. Oh, he does something with our lives. He does something with our lives. And we begin to do things that we never thought would be possible. We go places we would never dream we would ever go to. We do things we never thought we would do. That's what God wants to do with us. He wants to do the immeasurably more in your life. He really does. I wonder if you just bow our heads for a moment. So I just want to give a simple invitation on the back of what we've heard tonight, on the back of great worship and just great inspirational words. and God comes and draws close to you. And some of you feel like what Mandy was describing, just all at sea and just messed up, twisted. And it might be that you knew of God, but you actually didn't know God. You've been religious, but you didn't enter into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. While everybody's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if you'd like me to pray for you tonight to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just simply slip up your hand now. Just put it down again. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else tonight? Just simply slip your hand up. I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to believe with you this God that we've declared tonight is going to draw very close to you. Is there anybody else who will join this lady to say yes? Thank you. Anybody else tonight? Thank you. Anybody else tonight? Three ladies who've responded to Jesus. Anybody else tonight? Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I pray, Lord Jesus, now for these three precious ladies that your love your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy would wash over them. That they would know that there is a stepping out of the shadows, there would be a stepping out of darkness and coming into light. That the things that have held them back, the chains that have bound them, bound them for years, would be broken in Jesus' name. Every chain broken from their life. Every discouragement, every negative word, everything that's been spoken, every thought that they had, secret thought that they had would be cut off in the name of Jesus. And that there would be a stepping into a new wonderful life in Jesus. I ask particularly, Lord, tonight for these three ladies who I don't know, that you would fill them with such incredible, inexpressible joy. I pray that joy would fill their mornings. I pray that as they wake up in the morning, they would be filled with joy. There would be a sunshine around their lives that they've never, ever experienced before in their life. 
you'd fill them with joy and you'd fill them with a fun and a vitality that would be infectious for those around them. In Jesus' name, do a deep work in their heart, Jesus. Jesus, do a deep work in their heart and put people around their world who will just help them and encourage them and stir them on into the things of God. I pray, Lord, across this congregation now that we would stand and we would know that you are for us, that you are with us, and that you take the ordinary things and you do something extraordinary with the ordinary. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do something marvelous and remarkable with each and every one of our lives. And Lord, what you've started in Mandy, may you continue and may you bring it to completion. We ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You ladies, you know who you are who responded.